If you have a Bible this morning, turn with me uh, to the book of Ephesians. Go to chapter 6, and Lord willing, we want to get through these four verses. Verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. Children, obey your parents. Now, this is a commandment of the Lord. And as we begin to get into our study, I want you to think of what we even prayed for. And that is, uh, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And we came to that conclusion that uh, we can't do that unless we go back to uh, Ephesians chapter uh, 4, verses Verse chapter 5, verse 21 and 22, it says that we are to be submissive one to another. And basically, we are to be submissive, first of all, uh, to God. And then you'll see the husband and wife in submission. And as the husband and wife uh, are godly parents, and they raise up godly children. And we see the scripture here, children, obey your parents in the Lord, because this is right. And so... Let me give you just a little bit of introduction, and you'll understand what's going on. Marriage is a plan of God from the beginning. We saw that last week in Genesis chapter 2. The first covenant God gives to man is marriage, holy matrimony. Marriage is sacred, it's holy, it's honorable, we're told in Scripture. And then the product of marriage brings forth children, procreation. God blesses us with children. We read in the scriptures that children are a heritage from God. And so that means that children are heirlooms. Children are gifts given to us from God. Children are offspring and considered gifts from God. This is what the marriage relationship brings forth. Now it's interesting. I want to share a few verses before we get into our text. Because of this marriage that it develops into having children. In Genesis chapter 16, Abraham and Hagar, remember this? Were pregnant with child. Uh, the child's name is Ishmael. But that's not what God desired. The Bible says that Sarah despised her. It was supposed to be Sarah and Abraham that would bring forth uh, the child of the Spirit. And we know that God waits uh, until Sarah is past the age to have children. And then Abraham himself was very old. But they knew when that child came that it was from God. It was a gift from God. Remember when the angel of the Lord said, this time next year Sarah will be with child. She was behind the tent. And the Bible says that Sarah laughed. So did Abraham. I'm old, Abraham says. And then Sarah says, well, I'm old, but he's ancient. And so the Bible teaches us that Isaac comes forth a year later or nine months later, and Isaac means laughter. Every time she saw that little guy, she says, that is a gift of God. And so we have to be patient. In the Gospel of Luke in chapter 1, Zacharias and Elizabeth were without child for many years. They were both stricken in age. And then finally, she is pregnant with child, and that is John the Baptist. It was very difficult for a Jewish mom not to have children. Children are heritage. Children are heirlooms. Children are gifts of God. Jesus respected the children, opened his arms to children. Let me give you two passages. In Mark chapter 9, verse 36 and 37, it tells us that Jesus takes the child into his arms and he says, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And then we read in Matthew chapter 18, uh, verses 2 and 3, Jesus called the little children and he said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like uh, little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. We have to have that childlike faith. That's what he's saying. Now, look at the front of your bulletin. It's an excellent picture. You see Jesus and the children are coming to him. It's taken from Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. Jesus was going to bless the children. But let me set it up for you. The disciples wanted to get the kids out of the way. They were burdensome. 
They were an annoyance. They wanted to remove the children. Jesus is too busy. And Jesus takes them in. And Jesus says, Suffer the little children to come unto me. Now, in the time of Christ, in the, Old, in the New Testament times, Old Testament also, it, it was proper for a child. If a rabbi came and took your child and he sat him on his lap and he blessed him, mom, the moms were ecstatic. And yet here's the disciples trying uh, to push Jesus away. Jesus, or that, yeah, trying to push the children away uh, from Jesus. So important that we see children. And this is why we're so messed up in our society today. Uh, I love to study a commentary by uh, a gentleman by the name of Warren Worsby. He has B-series. And he goes through the epistles, and they're called the B-series. And I've always studied this man, but uh, he comes to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. Listen to what he has to say. It's so simple. We should all know it by now. He says, it seems no matter where we look today in the world or in our own modern society. And by the way, Worsby was writing in the 1970s. What about today, 21st century? He says, we see rebellion. We see division. We see antagonism. The results, a husband and wife divorcing. And the children are in rebellion against their own parents. We see it every day. Here's Worsby writing. But all you have to do is look at the news. All you have to do is pick up the uh, newspapers. All you have to do is, is some of the things that happen in our own schools. The first thing that kids cry out, my parents did this. And they believe the kid instead of listening to the parents. And it's all about discipline. And we're going to speak about discipline this morning. But let's look at our text. So much to study this morning. Uh, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. In my text, it says the responsibility of children to their parents. I want to read it through, then we're going to go back up and make some commentary. He begins here in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment of promise. And we're going to look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. That it may be well with you, and you may live long on this earth. If we obey our parents. And then he changes gears just a little bit. Look at verse 4. And you fathers. Slight rebuke here. You fathers do not provoke your children to wrath. But bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. These four verses are so powerful. Yet are we taking heed to what the spirit of the Lord is saying. Let me say a quick prayer. That we might just grasp all this this morning. Father. Encourage us again, Lord, as we look at our text, as we look at this position. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. How important of what Scripture says. And how do I obey? But I obey uh, my parents in the Lord. Lord, teach us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Go back to verse 1 now. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I mean, basically, what more can we say? But at this point, so easily, a child might say, I don't have to obey you. Another child might say, you're not my mom and dad because of a divorce situation. I don't have to obey you. Yet they have been raised uh, most of their young adult life in that household. Now, listen to the literal translation of verse 1. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. This is the right thing to do. I mean, your conscience tells you. Now, let me add to this. This is the scriptural thing to do. This is the thing to do in Christ if we're Christian. Children, obey. Your parents in the Lord. But here's the question that I have to ask in the text. What age do I start obeying? At what age do I stop obeying? Kids are good. They'll bring these things to your attention. 
Now, here's the easiest answer I can give you, especially to a child or to a parent. The moment that a child arrives into your family, he or she is under your roof, they must obey you. Until when? Until that child leaves the comfort and the privilege of your household. Now, listen to this, church. I do not agree on the adage when a kid says, I'm 18 years old now. I'm my own person. You can't tell me what to do. I can drink and smoke if I want. I can stay up late at night. I don't have to work, but I'm going to live here in the household. Now, here's my answer to that. There's the door. Don't let the door hit you on the backside as you're leaving. See you later. You don't want to obey? There's the door. Bottom line. One of the moms said, well, what if they're 30 years old? Hey, they better obey you. It's so important to see this. Children are to be obedient to their parents. Look at verse 1 again. Children, obey your parents or your guardians in the Lord. This is the right thing to do. One commentary said there, in early biblical Roman times, such as here in Ephesus, children were often considered an annoyance. Remember what I said about Jesus? They were bringing the children. They said, the disciples said, push them away. They were an annoyance in the early church, and they had no rights. Babies sometimes were abandoned or sold to slavery. This was the history at the time. You say, well, praise God that that was in those days, the early church and, you know, uh, Roman biblical times. But what about today? It hasn't changed church. We see this quite often in third world countries in South America. Recently, I was watching a documentary from the kids of, of Bolivia. Kids that are abandoned. I'm talking about three, four-year-old kids that are basically driven into the center of town. Mom and dad open the door, let them go, because they can't raise them anymore. And then basically other street children are taking them in uh, because predators are there quickly. And imagine some eight, nine, ten years old are, are raising these three and four-year-olds that have been abandoned. And they live in squalor. They live in mole situations, underground. It is sad. This is 21st century. It's happening today. The government doesn't do anything in that country. And yet Jesus said, as we studied earlier, suffer the little children to come unto me now. Now we've been studying the passage in the last couple of weeks. Husbands, love your wife. We spoke about a submission. Husbands and wives submit one to another. And how do we do this? By choice. But here, children are given a command from God. Children, obey your parents in and through God. It's the right thing to do. Obedience. It's better than sacrifice. Now Paul comes into verse 2, and he develops it further. Listen to how Paul speaks now through the Holy Spirit. Honor your father and your mother which is the first commandment with promise. There is a promise behind it. Now remember, this is not by choice. This is a command of God. Honor your parents, children. The word to honor, it means to value them. It means to honor them, what God has given you. Remember, because it's the first commandment with promise. The word promise, is it's a divine assurance. And here's the promise. Let me give it to you. We're going to read it in verse 3, but uh, it comes from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the earth. He says, which the Lord your God has given you. Now, let's not be uh, not without understanding. It's obvious to us that there are Christians that die early. What I'm saying is there's Christians that die at as a teen, there's Christians that die in their 20s. There's Christians that die in their 30s and their 40s. So am I saying here, if you obey the rules, that you're going to live forever? When God has an appointed time for us, he has an appointed time for us. But the Bible says that we're to obey the Lord. 
Honor your father, your mother, that your days may be long upon the earth, which the Lord your God has given you. This is the fifth commandment, yet the first command of promise. Now, if you look at the first four commandments in Exodus chapter 20, their responsibility towards God. Our responsibility towards God. But the last six commandments is our responsibility to man. We have a tremendous responsibility. And so if you obey your parents, honor them, you value them, here's God's promise, here's God's divine assurance. God will give you longevity of life here on this earth. But we understand that there are those that die, you can say premature. I've heard it at, you know, funeral processions. I've been there when somebody says, well, he was young to die at that age. She was young to die. And I agree. But God has a plan and we can't deny it. Now Jesus was challenged by the, not the disciples, he was challenged by the religious sect. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 15. Jesus deals with the religious leaders and they often would try to entrap him. When they questioned him about marriage. And now they're going to question him about the washing rites that they didn't wash before they partook of the food. And so in Matthew 15, look at verse 1 with me. Then some of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and they asked him, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Now you have to understand the rituals, the rites, the customs, the traditions. Of the religious leaders, the Jews. I mean, they really push this subject. And then Jesus replied, look at verse 3. And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Jesus always would come back to them. How? By the word of God. By the word of God. He says in verse 4, God said, honor your father and your mother, and anyone who curses his father or his mother must be put to death. And so Jesus is drawing from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, that the children, listen, were to also care for the elderly. You see, the religious leaders knew this, but they were so busy at taking care of the things of the temple And they would use that, listen, as an excuse not to take care of elderly uh, parents. And I love when I see uh, somebody taking care of uh, the elderly. I understand when an elderly loved one has to be put into a home. It's a hardship. My mom struggled with that. My mother-in-law struggled with that. But praise God, they were able to take care of, you know, my father-in-law and my dad until they both passed away. Right now in our household, there's one of my uncles. He's a great uncle, and he's up there in age now, and he's getting to the point where he can't care for himself, and his kids are taking care of him as much as possible, but they're struggling too. And they're working and school and, you know, maintaining a household. And, and you know, my uncle doesn't want to go to a home, but they're, they're talking about it. And it's hard. They've called. They've emailed. They said, pray. We don't know what to do. Because it's customary to try to take care of the children, take care of the elderly. I understand sometimes it's not possible. But these guys, it was a whole different trip. You're going to see that. Now, look at verse 5. But you say that if a man says to his father or his mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me, it is a gift devoted to God. So they were considering taking care of the things of the church, the tithes, the gifts, the offerings, and all that. That was sufficient, and there wasn't money left over to take care of mom and dad. Listen to verse 6. He is not to honor his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. They were so busy, in a, in a sense, making sure the temple was taken care of. You see, all they wanted was recognition. Jesus knew this. But they should have been taking care of the elderly. Because look at the next verse. You hypocrites. 
Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. And so Jesus goes back to the, the, the scriptures and he quotes Isaiah 29 verse 13. But look at the word hypocrites. These are religious leaders. In the time of the Romans here, in the time of the Greeks, the theater was very popular. And they used to use masks. You've seen it in some of the movies. And so when it was a happy situation, you put on a happy mask. When it was a sad situation, you would put on a, a, a real sad mask. And so Jesus calls them hypocrites. These were those that worked in the theater. A hypocrite, basically, the translation in the Greek, he says, you actors. You do one thing, but you say another. You say one thing, and you do another. That's what an actor's job is. We didn't know what the actor felt inside, but as long as he put the mask, oh, he's happy. Switch mask, oh, he's sad now. They even had an angry mask. I mean, they had a mask for everything. Think about it. And so Jesus says, look at verse 8. And this is the quote from Isaiah 29, 13. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You see, these were not scriptural. These were added on rules. There's something like 613 added rules, written laws. They were so quick to write laws. Verse 10 says, Jesus called the crowd uh, to him and he said, listen and understand. What goes into the mouth of man's mouth does not make him unclean. But what comes out of the mouth, this is what makes him unclean. You see, they were so intent. Jesus, your, your men didn't wash their hands. It's not about the washing of the hands. You want to know how strict they are, were in the washing of the hands? When they washed their hands, they didn't dare wash their hands this way. They washed their hands this way so that the drippings would come off of the elbows. I mean, they, they had such rituals. And they were so caught up into it. Well, Jesus would be out in the field, and maybe there was no water, and it was time to eat. So how do you wash your hands? But they partook of the food. And so he's letting them know, you hypocrites. <laughs> you say one thing, you do another. Now, it's interesting. I was thinking of this whole concept. In the years that we've been here, there's been twice that I've been approached after the service by a couple or a single mom. And they said, Pastor, I'm sorry, but we can't give to the church at this time. We're taking care of my mom. We're taking care of my dad. And it's financially putting a strain upon us. And you know what my response is to that? Praise the Lord. You go take care of mom and dad because that is scriptural. And when the time comes, you're going to be able to give to the Lord. Don't, God sees your heart. But they were so concerned. You know, we won't be able to give to God. There was a beautiful teaching when uh, the widows might. They were in the temple. And the religious leaders were coming in, and they had their bags of gold, their bags of silver, and their bags of cumin, the herbs. And anyway, uh, the disciples were in awe. Oh, look at they're bringing in bags of gold and silver and cumin. And Jesus says, you guys missed it. Look at the widow woman. She's given of all that she has. And he speaks of the widow's might. She brought in two mites. And I've shared this with you before. Widow's mites were nothing. Our penny is more valuable than a mite. And I have two mites that are in my office, and they were given to me in, in Jerusalem. You hold them in your hand, and you feel like you're holding nothing. They're airless in a, in a sense. That's how much value they had. But she gave her the abundance of their hearts. Man, if we have the means to take care of our parents, God's going to bless you. I thank God that my mom, my sister, my brothers were able to sustain dad until he passed away. My father-in-law, the same. And we didn't have to put them in homes. It would have broke people's hearts. 
it would have broke people's hearts. And I understand, please, I understand sometimes it has to be done. And it's a hard place. But there's a lot of cultures that care so much about the elderly, and I thank God for that. There's other cultures that could care less. Now let's go back to our text. And remember verses 2 and 3 go together. And so he said back in, in, in verse 2, Honor your father and your mother. He says, uh, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment of promise. And then he goes into verse 3, That it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And we're going to explain it a little bit further. And so bottom line, as we look at verse 3, if you obey God in this, he will bless you in your life with him. He will bless you. And it might be a short-lived life. It might be you're only going to reach middle age. I've, I've had four friends pass away since we've moved to Las Cruces. And some of them were drug-related, alcohol-related. There's an appointed time for everybody. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16, this is where the quote is coming from. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God has given you. Now, Wycliffe, in his commentary, said something very interesting, and it really grabbed a hold of me. I want to read it to you. Concerning verse 3, Wycliffe says, This must be taken as a continuation of the quotation from the law and not as a direct application to the believer in the present dispensation. But listen to what else he says. Although the principle is, very, is always true, the soon coming of the Lord rather than the long life is the Christian's blessed hope. So in a sense, Wycliffe is right. Why are you praying for long life when you should be praying, Lord, come quickly? Now, praise God if we're given 70, 80, 90 years here on this earth. But, uh, you know, if I had my rathers, let the rapture of the church come tomorrow. That is the blessed hope. Now, there's a scripture that I read years ago. And you need to tuck it away. As a Christian, you need to remember this. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, the writer of Hebrews says this, As it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. After this the judgment. There's an appointed time. I don't know how long I'm going to live. I've been blessed. Some of you have been blessed, but we have no idea. You hear of a friend dies at 40. You hear of a friend dies at 50. You read in the obituaries and people are dying at 55. People are dying at 65. There's, you know, there's no rule. But if God gives you life, here's my prayer. I pray that the years the good Lord gives me would be blessed in him. I just desire to obey him in all things. And again, it's obvious some Christians will die earlier than others. And so listen to the logic of what Paul is saying to the church. But the key is that we obey our parents, listen, in the Lord. And God's going to bless you. God is going to bless you. Now let's go back to our text. Look at verse 4. And we're going to come to the conclusion, but we're going to spend some time here. And Paul shifts gears. He's been saying, children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. You're going to live long. God's going to bless you. We're also called to take care of the elderly. But then he addresses the dads now. Remember, dads were the prophet, priest, king of the home. The responsibility in creation, uh, it was given over to you. We're not superior to the women. But in creation, God has given the appointment to man. And so dads, listen to the exhortation, the encouragement in God. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. You fathers, Christian fathers, 
It is a command addressed to fathers because they are the head of the family. As we shared the last two weeks, we're the prophet, priest, and king of the home. The object of the apostle here is to show parents that their commands should be such that they can be easily obeyed or such as are entirely reasonable and proper. If children are commanded to obey, it is responsibility that the commands of the parents should be such that they can be obeyed also or such that the child should not be discouraged in their attempt to obey. Now here's the key. Listen, parents. Parents, be careful that we provoke not our children, but that we train them up. Now I speak from experience of four daughters. They're all grown up now. Two of them are married. Dads, it's easy to provoke your children. The word to provoke here that Paul uses in the Greek, it's two Greek words. It's paragitso, and para means to come alongside. Gitso means uh, to cause anger. So listen to the translation. Uh, Dads, don't provoke. Uh, Don't come alongside uh, to cause anger purposely. Now, I think sometimes when we uh, play with the children, we call it horseplay. We begin to tickle them. We begin to poke them, different things, you know. But sometimes we can take it too far. Listen to what Pastor Chuck says in this passage in his commentary. We should not tease or provoke our children to an unkind way. In an unkind way. Sometimes, Dad, we can provoke by tickling our horse play with our kids too far to the point that we provoke them to anger or to frustration. Now, I had to learn this the hard way. Four girls, no boys. And once in a while, Mary said, hey, you can't be throwing them up against the wall. They're girls. And I go, I, you know, I forget. Now, we didn't do that, but I'm trying to give you an illustration I think sometimes we know. I don't know if you've ever seen somebody that, you know, just tickles their kid and then they don't stop. You can take it too far. Pastor Chuck also said this. We should never, listen to this, moms and dads, have such high expectations of our children that are so high that we provoke them to anger. What does he mean by that? Here's a good example. We push our kids to become something that they have not uh, themselves moved on. Oh, listen, you're going to be a doctor. Listen, you're going to be a lawyer. The kid's five years old. Who knows what he's going to be? One of my aunts, she was always pressuring her kids. Okay, David, what are you going to be when you grow up? And he'd say something. Okay, Linda, what are you going to be when you grow up? She'd say something. When they come to my cousin Dan, he was a... uh, the devil in our family. (laughs) Daniel, what are you going to be? And he goes, a trash collector. And my aunt would get so frustrated. (laughs) I'm going to pick trash. And he he works for the medical field now. He's got a very good mind and everything. But we loved it because my aunt would periodically ask those questions when we would be traveling or something like that. And I'd go with him because we went camping and fishing and such. And it would always come to Daniel. She was trying, she was hoping the next year maybe it would be different. I'm going to be a better trash collector than I was last year, Mom. And he did it more to antagonize her. And so sometimes our expectation, here's a good example. Let us encourage our kids in the Lord. Not what I want, but what does Jesus want for them. Encourage them to walk with God and he will lead them. And guide them in all directions. Nothing taken away from education. But let's face it, not every kid can go to the college. Some kids are going to be good with their hands and, you know, get them into some kind of a trade. But just because you went to college, you want them to go to college, make sure this is, you know, part of their plan too. But encourage them. It is so important. And we're going to see this conclusion of verse 4. Look at verse 4 again. Fathers, do not provoke your children uh, to wrath. And here's the next part. But bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. 
Ah, parents, train up your child. In all reality, please understand this. I could care less if my kids ever went to college. I want them to serve Jesus. But praise God if they go to college. Praise God that they can get a good trade. But man, train them up, first of all, in the ways of the Lord. And watch what God's going to do. Watch what God is going to do. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Literally, let me say this verse again. Nourish them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The mind is to be nourished with wholesome discipline and instruction as the body is with proper food. Discipline may refer to all that knowledge which is proper for children, including elementary principles and rules for behavior, etc., etc. We're not taking away, you know, from school. Teach them, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, as such. I mean, that's what we're here for. But teach them the ways of the Lord. Two Greek words here that are very strong. The word nurture in the Greek, listen, parents, educate them. That's what the translation is. Educate them, train them, discipline them. Moms and dads, listen to that. Discipline them, instruct them. And listen to this last one goes with discipline, chasten them, chasten them. I wish in the years that I grew up, my dad would have understood time out. He didn't. My, under, my dad understood a whipping. That's it. I said, Dad, I didn't do it. Turn around. Now, he always hit you in the backside because he said that was the cushion side. God made it cushion for a reason. And that's where we would get smacked. And we would get it good. Educate them, train them, uh, discipline them, instruct them, chasten them. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12, God chastens those that he loves. Now, I understand the society we're living in. But if you're a parent, you want to train your child upright, listen, study the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is the book of wisdom. It tells you how to bring up your child. I'm going to give you one verse. In Proverbs chapter 23, verse 13, listen to what the proverb said. Do not withhold correction from a child. And forgive me, but this is the King James. Beat him with a rod. You say, what? You're going to go to jail, Pastor Bob. Now, <laughs> spank them in the Lord. But we live in a time in a society. Your kids could turn around and go to the authorities. Your kids could turn around and go to the school authorities and say, they beat me. And they quoted this verse to me. You're supposed to chasten the child. Now, go farther down in that proverb, and it says, beat them black and blue. Years ago, back at Calvary Chapel, West Covina, there was a lady that came up to Pastor Rawl after service, similar like this, teaching on correction of the children. And she said, Pastor Rawl, my child is 16 years old. He's six foot three and he's 235 pounds. What should I do? He turned around, he told her, get a bigger board. <laughs> now, now that sounded good, but get a bigger board. But the discipline, that's what he was talking about. That's what the scripture teaches, to discipline them. Now, look at the word admonition. The Greek says, warn them. Bring them to the attention of the Lord. We raised our kids in the Lord. We warned our kids in the Lord. Listen, what you do outside the house, you're going to have to answer to God no matter what. Our oldest daughter is not here this morning. I'll use her as an example. She's 30 plus now, two kids, good mom, good wife. But she was at Mayfield High School, and there was some rocky years there. She was always getting into trouble. And so I had already previously gone in and talked to Mr. Olga's principal at the time. And I says, anytime she gets in trouble, call me. Well, he was calling me quite a bit. And it was the same routine. Mr. Olga's wouldn't, you know, they found her with a pipe one time. They found her with this, found her with that. Uh, but he didn't call the cops, and thank God. But I went down there to pick her up. 
She says, we going home? I go, nope. She said, I don't want to go to the church. Too bad. That's where I was coming from. So we went to the church. Well, I'm not getting off. Oh, yes, you are. Well, I'm not going to go into the sanctuary. Oh, yes, you are. And right here, we would kneel down and pray. She would sit down. <laughs> she says, well, I'm not going to pray. That's okay. I will. And I'd start to pray. And sooner or later, she would be next to me praying, crying. Dad, forgive me. We had some good talks. And one time she says to mom and I, she goes, why do I always get in trouble, dad? I'm at school. 20 of us are misbehaving, and they point me out. Ortega, come here. And I go, because we dedicated you to the Lord. And we said, God, get a hold of her every time. And parents, that's exactly what you need to do. You need to nurture them. You need to admonish them in the Lord. Go to Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. You see, training up your children is a lifetime responsibility. One of the parents in the first service asked me, uh, Pastor Bob, two of our kids are already out of the house. One of them is still with us. Are they still to obey us? And I go, well, yes, they are still to obey you, but if they're out of the house, they're on their own, they're going to do what they want. But they're doing stuff that I don't like. And I go, as a godly parent, call them up and tell them, what you're doing is wrong, and I'm going to tell you about it. I'm going to encourage you about it. I'm going to do it with love. I'm going to do it with compassion. I mean, if you see your kid doing something illegal, Something very unscriptural. You see your kid moving in with somebody else and they're not married. I believe you have a responsibility. Tell them. And they might throw it back in your face. Well, I don't live at home anymore, Dad. Yeah, but I'm going to tell you. Because that's not the way your mom and I raised you. How important it is to train up the children. Listen, church, in the ways of the Lord. And when they're old, they will not depart. I thank the Lord for the discipline that my dad gave me. Even though, guys, remember this? I hated my dad's discipline. I was convinced my dad was stupid. I know better. And when you turn 18, you think you know it all. You don't know nothing. And then you think at 25, you still know. You don't know nothing. And then kids start coming. You're married, and your kids start coming. Then all of a sudden, the light bulb goes on. Hey, my dad wasn't that dumb after all. Made a lot of sense. Now, this might not mean a lot to you, but when I was a kid, my dad used to drill something in my head. Maybe he knew where I was heading. I don't know. He said, listen, I'm going to give you some advice, and you can take it for what it's worth. When the time comes and you're pulled over by law enforcement, an officer of the law pulls you over, I want you to keep your mouth shut, and I want you to tell him, yes, sir, no, sir. I remember him telling me that all the time. And I remember when the red lights went on, I was 16 years old. Oh, my goodness. I was in the chair like this, man. Yes, sir. No, sir. Officer. Oh, good day. Oh, you're a handsome officer. <laughs> I didn't say that. Oh, officer, I'd never call you Smokey the Bear. Never, 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 never. But that instills something in me. Respect for the law. And that is scriptural. I detest some of the way a law enforcement is treated. I've seen it. I've seen it. The badgering, the cursing, spitting them. I mean, just, it's not right. And so, something that my dad showed me years ago. But look at the proverb here, church. Proverb 22 and verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That has a lot to say, that verse. Now, let me read it to you in the New Living Translation. It's very rich. Teach your children to choose the right path, and when they are old, they will remain upon it. My mom and dad had a convalescent ministry back in Southern California uh, for a couple of years. 
And so they would go on Sunday mornings after church, after the service that they were going to, and then uh, they would go to uh, about three convalescent homes. My dad loved it. And my dad, and he didn't play guitar very well, but he would go. My brother said, yeah, half the people that he ministers to, they can't hear anyway. But there was always this one gentleman, my mom was saying. They would bring him up in a wheelchair, and they would just sit him there. He was part of the Bible study, part of the, the little service. But he was always slumped over. And my dad would sing his songs, and then he'd preach a little bit, and then he'd share with them. It was their Sunday service. Sometimes he'd have two or three. Sometimes he'd have 10 or 12. But always that old man, they brought him up and he would be leaned over. This one particular day, my dad sang a cappella and my mom, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me. So we all know it if you've been in school, in Sunday school for a time. You all know it if you've been a Christian for a time. Jesus loves me, this I know. And so they started singing it. My mom leans over and she goes, look, the man in the wheelchair, they always thought he was dead. All of a sudden, he raised his head up. Why? Because that man heard that when he was a kid. Train up a child in the ways of the Lord, and when he's old, he will not depart. It'll come back to him. It is so important, church, and especially today in our society, because we're raising a generation of children that don't know God. We're seeing it everywhere, the evidence. There's another passage of Scripture. This is where we're going to end this morning. Uh, go to the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 6. Here in chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, it is called the Jewish Confession of Faith. It is called the Great Shema. It was recited by the Jews at least three times a day. It was a very important passage of Scripture. And I'm going to read it from verse 4 to verse 9. But listen, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. How many times we have read that through the scriptures? Jesus quoted the same thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, everything that's within you. Love God. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And so here's the great Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Verse 6 says, and these words which I command. You see, last two weeks we shared about, you know, being in submission. It's a choice. It's a choice. Nobody can make you submit. But this is a command of God. I command you today shall be in your I command you today shall be in your heart. He says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. Underline that. The Jews were uh, so excited about doing this to train up a child in the ways of the Lord. It is your responsibility. You bring your child to church. We have them for two hours on Sunday morning. We have them for two hours on a Wednesday. But what about the rest of the 24-7? Guess who has them the most? It's important that you train them up. Teach them diligently to your children the commands of God. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house. Listen. And when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Look at verse 8 and 9 now. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Verse 8, that they said they would put frontlets. In the scriptures, they're called phylacteries. And you've possibly seen the Jews. They take and, and they run straps of leather around their arm and then they have a box that ends up about the wrist area and it's a little leather box a small one and inside would be scriptures they also tie one around the head we see this when we go to israel and if we're on a jewish flight ll airlines and you can see the jews in the back they put on this garb and then they're praying towards the east and they have this front that looks real funny it sticks out here and they have scripture in there. Most likely it was probably the great Shema. 
And then look at verse 9. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and of your, of your gates. When you come into a Jewish home, generally there's a little box as you enter the house. It's called a mezuzah. It's just a little box and you attach it to the, the wall of the inside of your house or the outside as you're coming in. Either way, we have one at the house. And then it slides and you put scripture in it. And it was so important for the Jews. And what about us today? Man, you should have scripture in your house. You should teach your children a scripture. I mean, you go to our house, we have scripture in the bathroom. We have scripture in the kitchen. We have scriptures in the room. We have scriptures on the window as you're coming in. You want to know something? 23 years that we've lived in our house up here, we've never been broken in. Never been broken in. Now, before we leave, we've gone to California for two weeks. And we just sit in the, in the parking lot before we leave outside of the house. And we always say a prayer. Lord, protect our house. Protect our house. Have your hand upon our house, Lord. Keep intruders out. And, and see, you have to give these things to God. And praise God. I'm not going to knock on wood. I'm going to trust God. Nobody has ever broken in. But as we come to the conclusion this morning... Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is right. We're living again in a godless society, and we need to train up our children in the ways of God. It is our responsibility. Moms, dads, teach your children. We pray at mealtime. If you have young ones, start with them before they go to bed at night and say a prayer with them. You'll be surprised that they'll be encouraged uh, to want to pray with you. But if we just stick them in front of the TV, if we just give them video games, if that's what we're training them, then we're going to wonder why at the age of 27 they're not at church. Oh, Mom, that's old school. Train them up. And ask God to bring a conviction upon their hearts. Ask God. Lord, convict my kids. Convict them that they serve you, Lord. 